here, if I remember right, we had about 300 guests with us. Uh, so if you have a friend or a family member, uh, somebody you know who would benefit from a problem like this, uh, then definitely get them signed up. Uh, but it takes over 600 volunteers also to pull it off. Uh, volunteers from setup to cooking to doing hair to uh, dancing to being a buddy. Um, so, so we just r- strongly encourage you, be a part of it. It is one of those nights. I promise you, you'll cry. Just let me tell you right now. You will cry. Tears of joy when you see uh, these young men and young women uh, just having the time of their life. So definitely want to encourage you to uh, put on your tennis shoes. Don't wear high heels. Don't, don't wear boots. Put on some tennis shoes and show up. It'll be a great time. All right? And if, if you want to volunteer for that, then you can stop by the Connect Wall on your way out. They'll help you do that through the app. Uh, we'd love to have you. All right? Now... I don't know if you know this or not, but Wednesday is Valentine's Day. So if you're a dude in here and you have a a, a lady, you're married, you're dating, you better be prepared, okay? I'm giving you the heads up now. But when, when you think about Valentine's Day, what do you think about? Love. Some of you think about love. Some of you think about candy. You think about conversation hearts. You think about uh, chocolate and flowers and a day, things like that. Or maybe you think about Valentine like cards. Like, like, how many of y'all remember handing those out when you're like in elementary school? Like, we all did it. We, we pat, now if you're a parent, you help your kids do that. Well, I want to play a little game revolving around Valentine's Day cards. And it, it's a real simple game. I'm going to show you a Valentine's Day card, and you have to decide, is it real or fake? And if it's real, just yell real. If you think it's fake, just yell fake. All right? It's real simple. Here we go. Dear Mom, I love you. You're doing a good job at not burping at my bus stop. Happy Valentine's Day. Real? Real? Fake? Fake? That baby is real, all right? That is real, straight up real. All right, here's another one. Mom, I love you as much as I love mac and cheese. Happy Valentine's Day. Real? Real? Fake? Yeah, you should have said fake, all right? That one's fake. Here's another one. Mom and Dad. You are lucky you are alive. I love you very much. Happy Valentine's Day. Real? Any fake? It is real. Last one. I would I love you with all my butt. I would say heart, but my butt's bigger. Real? Fake? That baby is real. That one is real. Um, Today, I want to have just a real conversation. Like, Like, I want us to talk about love. I want us to talk about the way of love. And I want us to have a real conversation, not a fake conversation. And I'll be honest that that's actually my goal every week. Because as a church, 
We never want to be fake. We, we never want to be fake people walking in. That we want to be a church that is real with real people, that deals with real things that can help our lives not put up a facade where we just fake people out. So every week when you come to The Rock, the goal is that you would get some real truth and some real grace and a real conversation. And that's definitely going to happen today. Now, we're going to talk about love, and we're going to talk about eros love, which means romantic love, sexual love, uh, passionate love, emotional love. It, it can mean all of those. That, that Just as a reminder, we started a series last week called The Way of Love, and we said we're going to look at four different Greek words for love, love words that you would find uh, inside of the Bible, inside the Greek translation, the way it was originally written, that, that there's storge love, that was last week we talked about that means family type love. There's phileo love, which is brotherly type friendship type love. We'll talk about that next week. Agape love means unconditional. That's in two weeks. Today is eros love, which means sexual love, romantic love, passionate love, uh, emotional love. That it, it can mean any of those words together. And we need to talk about it because it is a conversation that goes on in our lives already. That we are already talking about it in our lives. We need to be talking about it at church. That it's all around us in our lives. Well, let's, let's see what the Bible has to say about it. Because with all of these words, the Bible is clear that love should be a self-sacrificial action not just a self-serving emotion. And when we talk about eros love, when we talk about romantic love or, or sexual love, that we will see that it needs to come from a place of a self-sacrificial action that, that is based on purity, that is based on being pleasing because eros love is powerful. And, and, and I will tell you, I want us to walk through those words right there. I want us to look at how Eros love should be pure, about how Eros love should be pleasing, about how Eros love is powerful. And I want us to put it inside the right context of, of a self-sacrificial action, not a self-serving emotion. And I will be honest with you, I'm excited for this conversation. And some of you are excited, and some of you are like, I'm nervous. That's good. What, whatever brings you into the conversation, I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad that we get to sit and have this conversation. And my daughter and her boyfriend sat through it at the 830. So if they can sit through it, so can you. <laughs> what, is, what does it mean to walk out romantic love or sexual love, passionate love from a biblical perspective. Well, I think a great example of that we see in a lady named Esther. That if we go to the Old Testament, there's a story about Esther and a king named Xerxes. And I think in her story, we see a great example of what romantic love, sexual love, married type love looks like. And, and I'll be honest with you, it's a, it's a difficult 
sometimes different type story. That there's some things about the story that are hard for us to understand because it was a story that was 2,600 years ago. That it, that it was a different time in a different place. And we don't have all the details of the story, but we have enough of the story that what we can pull from it is, is the positive example that Esther is and the negative example that King Xerxes is. That the, let, me, let me start by explaining King Xerxes, and then I'll get into the text, that, that King Xerxes, that, that he was king over uh, the Babylonian, the Assyrian area, that they, they had captured the, the Jews, and they were basically living under his reign, and, and there was a time he threw a dinner party, and all, he and all of his guy friends, out, they all got drunk, and he called for his queen, her name was Vashti, and said, I want you to come in front of all the men, and she's like, nope, I can tell, like, you guys are up to no good, I don't want to do it. That angered him, so he banished her. Easiest way to say it is he divorced her, right? That, that he basically put her off to the side, said, I don't want to have anything else to do with you for the rest of my life. Then after about a year, he said, man, we, we need a new queen. I need a new queen. And that's where we pick up the story. Here's what it says. This is Esther chapter 2. It says, Then the king's personal attendants proposed, Let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Then let the young, then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king, and he followed it. That, that, so what you're seeing is the king making a command, making an edict, saying, go out into the countryside, find the, the, the young virgins, the, the young women, and, and bring them to me. And when you read that, you might go, dude, that sounds odd. That sounds weird. But... But is it really any different than what we do today? You ever heard of that show called The Bachelor? <laughs> right? I mean, it's basically the same. All these ladies showing up, all fighting over one dude. Well, well, you've got this dude, his name is King Xerxes, and he's bringing all these women together. And he's marrying every woman. Again, different time, right? But, but he's a king who had a bunch of wives, and each night he would marry a different woman. And then he would decide after that night, do I want her to be the queen who sits by my side or is she going to be one of my wives who's in the harem? That's where we see the rest of the story. It goes on, it reads like this. When the king's order ordered an edict had been proclaimed, many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther was also taken to the king's palace. That Esther was one of those who went. And when we look at Esther, here's what we see. Purity. That Esther's purity is what got her to the palace. That, that it starts in just a real basic idea that Esther would have never been able to go to the palace if she hadn't been sexually pure in her life. 
but she was a virgin, that she was a young woman who had kept herself pure. She was a young lady who said, I'm going to follow the, the laws of God, the commandments of God, the desires of God, the design of God, and I'm going to walk in purity until the day that I got, get married. And because of that, here's, here's what we see in Esther. That, that we see that because of her purity, I want you to see the domino effect. Because of her purity, she was able to go from being a peasant to the palace. Because of her purity, she was able to please the king. Because of her purity, she ended up becoming queen. Because of her purity that she was able to save the entire Hebrew people from genocide because there was a later law that came into effect that said kill all the Jews, but because of Esther and her purity and her place in the palace, she saved all of the Jewish people. And you could even say this, that because of Esther's purity, that when Jesus came on this earth, he was able to come through the Hebrew people because of what Esther had done. Here's what I'm trying to get at. Your purity matters. Your purity matters. So be pure. Now, I say that to those who are single and those who are married. Your purity matters. If you're 14... If you're 64, your purity matters. If you're single, engaged, married, your purity matters. So walk in purity. That when you get on social media today and images come across, walk in purity because your purity matters. When you're on your computer and a, and a website hits or, or an ad hits, get rid of that junk because your purity matters. That you enter into a dating relationship as you're dating. Maybe you're even engaged. As you're engaged, your purity matters. Walk in purity because it's going to matter. If you're married, don't allow impurity to come into your marriage. Walk in purity. Esther walked in purity. Xerxes did not. Xerxes was an impure king. Esther, I could say this, had self-sacrificial actions in her life. Xerxes had self-serving emotions. Xerxes said, I want a bunch of women in my life. Xerxes said, I want to divorce my current wife. Xerxes said, I want to be pleased by a bunch of ladies. Xerxes said, I'll do whatever I want that pleases me. What you see in Xerxes is self-satisfying emotion, not purity. And I want us to learn from Esther's actions, a, a, a life of purity that that led her. What would it look like if we walked in purity? What if we followed scriptures? There, there's another verse, it's Hebrews chapter 13 says this, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Now, now I really wanna break that verse into two different directions. The first is marriage 
should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. Well, well, you could easily read that totally just inside the context of marriage, that we need to keep the marriage bed pure, that we need to make sure that we're honoring our spouse at all times and that we're living out that marriage the way that God has designed. And God has designed marriage. He's designed sex to be enjoyed between a man and a woman inside the confines of marriage for the rest of your life. That that's how he designed it. Anything outside of that is impurity. So how do I keep the marriage bed pure? Well, when I'm married, make sure I'm pure. But even before that, if I want to keep the marriage bed pure for when I do get married, then i got to walk in purity today. You have to walk in purity as a 16-year-old. Walk in purity as a 22-year-old. Walk in purity as a... 30-year-old who is single, a 40-year-old who is single, that if I want to keep the marriage bed pure, I walk in purity. I avoid a hint of sexual immorality. Ephesians 5 says it this way, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Now, let's be honest. That's difficult, isn't it? Like, if we, if we can just be real, in the world in which we live, to avoid a hint of sexual immorality, I mean, that's hard. With, with the images that are all around us, with, with the TV shows, the ads, you name it, that, that, that it's, it's all around us, and in the, in the conversations that, that, that are all around us, that, that to, to avoid even a hint is difficult difficult. I think about those of you who are young adults, those of you who are high schoolers, that, that it's difficult for those of us, people my age, it's difficult for me. But I think about you in the, in the, in the environments in which you live, and it's hard. But it's no excuse to say, well, it's hard, so What's it matter? No, I keep walking in purity, even if no one else is. I walk in purity because romantic love should be pure. Sexual love should be pure. That passionate love should be pure. And it, it should be pleasing that that when you think about Eros love, it should be pure, but it also should be pleasing. That God designed sex for our enjoyment. I figured I might get an amen on that one. <laughs> I mean, guys, are you not with me right now? You know what I mean? Like, like God, that's how God designed it. That he designed it, sure, for procreation. It's, that's part of it. But it's also for pleasure, for it to be enjoyed in its right context, in a pure context. And, and when you go back to Esther's story, again, like, like it's there and, and it reads that way. And we got to understand it, that, that, that if you'll notice it, here's what it says. It says, when it was Esther's turn to go to the king, she accepted the advice of Haggai, the eunuch, in charge of the all right? Now, when I say that, when she accepted, when it was her turn, 
this is her wedding night, okay? So, so my best understanding of the passage, this isn't a one-night fling. This isn't a, hey, I'm going to go be at the king. This is a wedding night that she was going to be with the king on her wedding night. That's what was happening. She asked for nothing except what he had suggested, and she was admired by everyone who saw her. Esther was taken to the king Xerxes at the royal palace in the early winter of the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than any other young woman. Here's what that means. That Esther pleased the king. There's no way around it. That that's what happened that night. That sexually she pleased the king. That, that he enjoyed what happened that night, and he's like, wow, okay? And that's how God designs it. Again, he is not pure, but she was walking in purity. And as she walked in purity, she pleased the king because sex is supposed to be pleasing. We see that in the book of Genesis. You go back to Adam and Eve, it says that they were naked and felt no shame, and they got together and knew one another, that, that they enjoyed their sexual experience. That if you go to uh, a book in the Bible called the Song of Sol Solomon, that it is a book all about marriage and sex. That in the book, it talks about kissing of the neck, kissing of the lips, fondling of the breast, exploring other parts of the body. It's there. It's all through there, that, that when you see it, that it is something that God says you can find pleasure in. Then you go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It says that spousal units should fulfill their marital duty to their spouse. And what that means is sex. That doesn't mean do the dishes. Now, that's not bad. That might turn her on, okay? But... But that means sex, to have sex, that God gave us sex for pleasure inside of marriage, and we are supposed to fulfill that marital duty, which means that might, it might mean flowers. It might mean uh, romantic dinner. It might mean candles. It might mean a little bit of Barry White playing in the background. It might be a long conversation that leads to sex, or it might be a quickie. That's just real. And I'm, I said I'd keep it real. Thank you, Stephen. I'm helping y'all out. That's how God designed it. Is to fulfill in the marriage. So when we're married, that we should enjoy that sex should be pleasing. But it'll be pleasing when it's pure. That, that again, as a married couple, if we say that we're bringing it into our marriage, that it'll be pleasing because it's pure. So as a married couple, make sure that you're always being pure with one another. And, and then I, I would also add this caveat or this aspect of, of the scripture that we read, because I'll hear this, that, that 
You know, for all of my life that, that I've worked with young adults, I've worked with teenagers and had just hundreds of conversations about this. Just hundreds of conversations. And, and I've heard sometimes like, like having real conversations with students, they'll be like, but Josh, like, I, I got to know if we're sexually compatible. Like, we got to have sex before we're married because I got to know if we're compatible. And I'm like, no. Or, or like, Josh, man, like, like we got to get good at it so that on our wedding night, I'm good at it. <laughs> no. Just go back to the text. That Esther was pure. Esther was a virgin. Esther had never been sexually involved, yet on her wedding night, pleased the king. That you don't have to practice beforehand to be pleasing when God says now is the time. The, the reality is, is God, I really believe, will honor purity before marriage and will give you the rest of your married life to practice it, right? Just like doctors practice medicine to get better, lawyers practice law to get better, married people should practice sex to get better. And you get your whole married life to practice it. Eros love is, should be pure. Eros love should be pleasing. Eros love is powerful. You'll notice there's a difference in words I use there. Should be pure, but it's not always. It should be pleasing, but it's not always pleasing to God or pleasing to others. But it is always powerful. Eros love, positively or negatively, is powerful. That Eros love will cause you to do things that you never thought you would ever do. Because the power of that emotional love, the power of that romantic love, the power of that passionate love, or the power of that sexual love will get you to do things that you never thought you would do, that, that it'll get you to, to, to say things, to, to think things, or to physically do things, positive or negative. We, we see it in King Xerxes. It says he was so delighted with her that he set a royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. That, that Eros love was powerful. He said, oh, you're the queen. It goes on, it says this. To celebrate the occasion, he gave a great banquet in Esther's honor for all his nobles and officials, declaring a public holiday for the providences and giving generous gifts to everyone. That, that he was so moved that, that, that he gave actions, that, that, that he gave gifts to everybody else. Eros love will do that from a positive or a negative. So be careful. Be careful with Eros love. Song of Solomon, four different times in that book of the Bible, it says, do not awaken love before it's time. 
Don't awaken love before it's time. And Solomon is saying that because he's saying love is powerful. And, and there's times that, that you'll be walking in your purity and, and you'll be like, I've, I've made a commitment. I, I'm not going to do this sexually with, with the person that I'm going out with. And, and, but then that Eros love hits in and that romantic love hits in. And maybe he's saying, hey, we really need to do this. Or she's saying, if you really love me, this is what will happen. And, and even though you had said, well, I'm not. And then you jump over here and you do. And that is what I call a self Serving emotion, because you're serving your emotions in the moment. That's Xerxes' life. Esther was over here, self-sacrificial action. I'm going to walk in purity. And even when everybody else is saying, it's okay to jump over here. It's okay to do that. It's okay to love whoever you want. It's okay to do, you sit over here and go, no, a self-sacrificial action. I want to be pure to the Lord and pleasing to God. Eros love will get you sometimes to leave those thoughts and to go a different direction. Eros love will find yourself in, in your marriage and then all of a sudden you tar- start talking to somebody on, on social media or, or you, you see somebody, you run into somebody at work and you allow yourself to have a couple conversations and then all of a sudden this emotional love goes over there and you step outside of your marriage because of an emotion, not a self-sacrificial action, but a self-serving emotion. Eros love is powerful, so be careful with it. Whether you're 22, 16, 36, 70, be careful with it. So what do you do with this? I'm sitting up here having a real conversation about this Eros type love. What do we do with it? Because I, I know for some, you're like, okay, Josh, I get it that, that I need to walk in purity, but, but I haven't. I get that. My guess is 99% of us in here haven't walked in complete purity when it comes to Eros love. That we've all made some kind of mistake or other, and if not with Eros love, we've all made some kind of mistake, period. None of us are fully pure outside of Christ. You might be here today and and your heart's hurting a little bit because I kind of challenged you on this walk with purity and be like Esther, but on the inside, you're like, I'm more like Xerxes. I've done things like Xerxes. And that kind of love has a grip on you, a powerful grip on you. I want you to know there's a love that's more powerful than that kind of love on you, and that's the love of Jesus Christ for you. That, that Jesus doesn't have the romantic sexual type love. I think we all get that for us. But he does have the passionate love for us. He does have the emotional love for us. 
And if you're sitting in a situation right now where you're struggling a little bit because of some impurity in your life, I want you to know that the passionate love of Jesus, the emotional love of Jesus, that he can come into your life and he can take that impurity and he can make you pure. That we sang a song said, thanks for the blood of Christ. Thanks for the blood that is applied. That song is all about the idea of going from impure to pure because of the blood of Jesus. So if you're, if you're hurting today or, or, or you're, you're recognizing today that you've been walking in some impurity, allow the powerful, pure, pleasing love of Jesus to wash over you. Let it wash over you. Because the love of Christ is powerful. The love of Christ can change your life radically. The love of Christ can take you from living a Xerxes-type life to an Esther-type life. And I want to see that for you. Maybe you're married and you've allowed some impurity into your life. Turn it over to Jesus today. Maybe today is the day for your marriage to be restored. That, that you both know what's going on and it's time to say, no, we're going to find healing. Maybe you've been dating. Maybe you've been, been living together. Maybe you're at that point. You're going, man, we've been walking in impurity, but we need to make this right today. And you're like, man, we got to get married. Man, we'll make it happen. Go get your marriage license, show up tomorrow. There's tons of pastors on staff. We'll just marry you in a row. And we joke, but guys, I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times people have shown up on a Tuesday saying, we want to honor, the God, and be, honor God and be pleasing to God. We got our marriage license. Will you marry us? Let's walk it out right. Maybe it's saying, I need to honor what God said in Scripture, and I need to walk in purity. I'm not going to listen to my, 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 my mind. I'm not going to listen to my emotions. I'm going to listen to what God's Word says, and I'm going to let the powerful love of Christ lead me rather than the powerful love of what culture says or what I say or what the world says. I'm just going to follow Jesus. And I know I'm giving you a hard challenge today, a real challenge that is full of truth and full of grace. Because I know when I look at my life, and I think about my life before Christ, it's a Xerxes type life. There's no way I should have been saved. So much impurity. But the powerful love of Jesus Christ.
changed everything. And I still don't do everything right. You know that. We know that. But there's a purity about my life now because the blood of Jesus has been applied. And I want that in your life as well. I want that in our life. So I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor. Let's stand up and we'll hit some heavy stuff tonight, but I don't want you to feel like you gotta walk alone. I know there's gonna be some prayer counselors in this corner right there where that word connect says, and they would love to pray with you. No judgment, no, no fakeness, just real prayer, real conversation of being prayed over, saying, let us walk with you. There's prayer counselors in that connect corner. There's prayer counselors in that connect corner. And we would love to journey with you as we surrender to the powerful, passionate, emotional love of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for a love that is pure and a love that is pleasing, a love that is perfect. Help us to walk in it, and then help us to live it. In your name, Jesus. Let's spend some time responding.